Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of Tigers Talk Rugby. Before we get started, I'd like to thank Tiger Vision again for providing us with the facilities and the equipment to make this possible. So uh, let's get this started. I'm your host, Ethan Richards. And I'm his co-host, CJ Bakel. And this week we have Tyler Doolittle, a recurring guest. You know, I think this is what, your third time being on? Third time sounds right. Sounds about right. We just can't get rid of it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, we can. So uh, we, like we got you though. Yeah, right. Yeah. So we got a great, uh, great show lined up for you guys. We're going to talk a little bit about this weekend's match, uh, Navy versus Clemson, and as well as a little bit on the uh, women's match for uh, yeah, Clemson versus USC, and then uh, some World Cup action. And uh, yeah, this is a great, great show for you. Again, like always, give us some feedback in the comments and the Facebook. Uh, we appreciate anything that you'd like to say. So uh, why don't we just get on with it? All righty. So um, we'll start with the uh, Navy Clemson match. Yeah. Uh, crushing defeat in the score line, fifty-five to zero. Uh, Navy winning that match. Um, despite, I know it's funny to say this. Despite the score line, a lot of us had a lot of fun. Really? I think okay. The, I think the t the Clemson Tiger boys, we had like a good amount of fun. I know it's you hate to he see that you know result, and like nobody likes losing, but I feel as if with the conditions and the competition we were playing, a lot of us had a lot of fun. Yeah, and and there was a a good amount of subs on the roster that that it was either their first or their second D1A game, wasn't it? Yeah, I think. Um, let me see. I think. There was a few guys like Nick, uh, Nick McElveen, that that was his first D1A match. Um, a lot of guys were like second, it was like their second D1A match, like Keaton Malden, he got his second uh, cap for D1A. But uh, I think, I think- Cade was, Weston Cade had Weston second. had his second as well. I think it was a good, like the, the team, it's like again, those guys don't have a whole lot of uh, D1A experience, but they're like pretty good with their knowledge as well as some of their like playing ability. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty proud of us uh, in terms of we didn't quit. Because hmm. last year against Navy, we quit within like 20 minutes. I could say that, that we were, our heads were hung low. I, I'm and not sure I necessarily were bad. agree with that. Because the score at halftime last year was uh, 14 to 28. So uh, it, it's interesting to hear you say that because uh, from like a scoreline perspective last year, like it didn't seem like a quitting game. It didn't. It didn't yeah, look it like did. a quitting game. Obviously, those of uh, those two tries were off of some crazy breakaways, off of some good steals. Like uh, Hunter Dossie's mm -hmm. try was almost full field, um, and uh, th like this year they ended up shutting out um, the team. So uh, Tyler, you got any insights on on what? what went wrong or what, what went well for Navy? So just from what I saw, so I was a bystander of this game, so I was able to watch it all and I see everything. The conditions were pretty rough. It was a nice, cold, wet, rainy day here in Clemson, South yeah, Carolina. Yeah, perfect weather, right? Perfect weather for rugby. <laughs> uh, the main issues that I saw, I think, really hindered us were our uh, set pieces, especially our lineups. I feel like that's something that we need to work on as a team. There's just... You know, we get we get these penalties, and you just can't capitalize on them if you can't win that set piece back. 
and that really hurt us. Navy, in general, just looked a lot more creative than they did last year, in my opinion. And I think we can kind of credit that to their head coach, uh, Hickey. Gavin Hickey. Gavin yeah. Hickey. So his team just, last year, to me, it seemed like there was a lot of kind of scripted just pod running, and this year it looks like their back line, they're running, we like to call, you know, back doors, they're running doubles, which is a term that we have, but they were getting the ball wide, and they were really using their wingers a lot more than I saw last year. And, I mean, that's good for them. They're a top 10 team, and I think. Yeah, and again, they've, they, they're on fire right now because they've played, you know, St. Bonaventure, Iona, Cutstown, Davenport, and Air Force, and they've won five straight from those guys, you know, of which it seems like all of them, all those games are won by more than, you know, double digits, except uh, uh, for Yeah, other than a, a close a close in ranking, only two, two away with Kutztown, So Right. So they're a solid team. They're, uh, Navy's a very good team, and credit to them, they've got good coaching. Uh, they're very disciplined, and they are always going to be fit. And that, again, that's, that's what's going to happen when you play a, a Naval Academy side. Now, in terms of us, do you think we have a whole lot of positives this last weekend? I feel like you can always take positives from a loss. Yeah. Because uh, when you are exposed by a team, uh, that's when you really feel like you learn your weaknesses and you learn how to get better and how to uh, get stronger in those positions that you're weak at or, or, or in those decision-making skills that are weak for certain individuals. I, I feel like like it's, it's, it's something that I'm sure some, somebody will go over the film and, and people will learn from what they see uh, the second time around, if not already from the first. See, to me, just compared to last year, even though the scoreline you know, was 55 to zero, uh, to me, our defense, I think, held up a lot better, especially down the middle. Last year, they were able to just break tackles right through the middle, which should never happen, and they were able to get these long drives. And this year, it really felt like, I mean, we forced them to go wide. They had to go wide to get around us, and they had to, I mean, fortunately, they were able to win a good amount of one-on-ones against uh, our wingers, and they were, their wingers were able to get some nice long runs with some good stiff arms and some just solid physical contact. But they had to use those wingers. They couldn't just drill it right down our throats through the middle. And to me, that was a positive. Yeah. They, so compared to last year, last year when we played them, it was forward ball, forward ball, forward ball, forward ball, forward ball. Let's think about passing it out to the backs, crash line with the center. So they were just shoving it down our throats through the middle. And we just weren't tackling well at all. And like that's again like you said we gave up a lot of tries within the middle but this game this time around it seemed a little bit more uh methodical with trying to get it out to the wings like tyler said and and technical yeah it was a lot more technical and i was kind of surprised because last year their backs would only run crash lines or just run hands uh whereas this time around there was like some looping there was a lot like like tyler said there was a couple doubles you know a lot of blockers were going on. It was definitely something different compared to what we uh, played last year. But I think that might be because Navy wants to make that next step to be an elite team, like the Lifes, Lindenwoods, and all that such. So they need to break away from that, you know, 
forward ball, forward ball, forward ball, run hands, crash line with signers. Kind of experience modern rugby in, in right. a sense. It's that breakaway from like a script in a sense, just like kind of like, hey, we're going to run pods until we get to a certain point and then it'll go to the backs. Like that right. kind of script. Right, right. And now they're getting into actually like looking up, seeing they saw that they were being our wingers. And so they made that adjustment that, okay, well, let's get out to the wing. How are we going to do that? You know, they're running good plays to uh, stop our defense from kind of just getting out there and swarming their winger. So mm -hmm. it was good on them. Uh, compared to last year, I think what we did better was kicking. We did not yeah, last year kick we didn't at all kick last well. year. So um, it made me happy to see there was a couple times I think our kick chase just could have been a little better. Maybe that comes from just making open field tackles. but um, And then just kind of adjusting the kicks. It was wet, it was rainy, and we had a couple that went a little too high, and that should have just been kind of drilled, like straight into space behind them and let that ball kind of bounce around because our kick chase just wasn't able to get there soon enough, and being able to just drill it and let it bounce would give us a little bit more time to get there. So um, looking forward, um, in a couple weeks, Clemson men's rugby has a game against Davenport on the 9th? Second. The second? November 2nd. I, I, I believe November it's the 9th. I believe oh, it's the 9th. 9th. Why that? Why that? Yeah. Yesterday. Um, yeah. And, and so I, do, what, what do you think, um, how, how do you think the players and the mindset and, and the bounce back um, is going to lead to success in, in this upcoming match? It's, it's still, what, three weeks away, about, yeah. roughly. Three weeks now. Um, I, I, what, what do you think um, players, how do you think players are going to adjust their mindset to look forward to this next match? I think guys need to realize that you, this is not a, like, you should not think of the result. You should think about the process of what happened with this game. So don't look at the 55 nothing score and be like, oh, like, be down about that. Look at what we did wrong, and let's improve on that. Because, we have, again, we have three weeks. So that mindset mm -hmm. needs to be in place, is that improving mindset. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the idea of, okay, so even though we did this, what are some of the positives? And let's say, like, hey, we did do you know, some, you know, some things correct. And let's see if we can make that even better for Davenport. And then, mm -hmm. again, Davenport plays a different game than Navy. So we need to also figure out how to play against them rather than playing against Navy. So, so you think that it comes from preparing for the individual side that you're, you're going to be matched up against? Yeah, I think that'll, that'll make a difference? I think that usually makes a difference because so many teams have so many different play styles. Right. You need to be able to fig, like, learn, learn how, well, first of all, you have to learn your own style and mm -hmm. figure out your own identity. And then when you're going up against a team like that, you have to figure out what's a good play or game plan and then go just keep with it, mm -hmm. you know? So, like, I would say last year, so I'm gonna, I know we're using the Navy game from last year and this year, but we, again, last year we had the yeah, mentality of let's kick it down their throats, let's, you know, every single time we're in our own half and half possession, just kick it and get it away and just retain possession. But last year we didn't. This year, we had a little bit more of a mentality of doing that, and it succeeded at times, but again. So 
from just personal experience, last year we had a summer schedule. We played Navy and then Davenport and got crushed by Navy. And then we were able to go up to Michigan and we had a pretty close game to Davenport. Um, I think that was, I mean, it was a solid game to me. I know it ended up being a, a loss, but uh, there was a lot of positives from the, just the difference between the two games. And that came really a lot towards attitude uh, was a problem last year. So what I expect to see is, you know, we'll go into practice and uh, we'll see the mistakes that we had and we'll be working on them. So, like, for me personally, I hope to see a lot more uh, line-out practice because that was, uh, to me, a pretty big issue. Uh, and so it's kind of just, it's putting that big loss behind you and just looking for the future. And I think most of our players on the team do a pretty good job of, um, looking at the positives and being able to see the negatives but not get too down themselves that they just can't look at the next game and they're just, they'll want to have their heads up and they'll want to get ready. Right. So, so I feel like we've, we've covered a good chunk for, for this game and, and what's upcoming for the men's side. Now, now how about the uh, positive victory for the women's side yeah, on over, Friday night? Over the Gamecocks, the Lady big Gamecocks. Game, big, big rivalry. Yeah, that was a that was a, that, that was a very good game. It, it was a great game. It was very uh, physical. I know we were all there watching that game. It was extremely physical. Was, I think. I mean, Clemson women's just their forwards. I felt just able to just really take that away. There was a couple really nice breakaway runs that it was just they were breaking tackles and running straight down the middle. And that, I mean, as a Clemson fan, just in general, that's just great to see. Absolutely, yeah. I, but what for me the first twenty minutes seemed like pretty pretty tough and and almost like like disconnected. Like like individual players were trying to get things set up, but it wasn't quite groups getting things set up. And and that like um, the um, USC side ended up taking the lead initially, but but after the twenty minute mark or so, the the Clemson women's side started putting together pods and putting together like backline like crash lines or 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 dummy lines and 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 started to create structure mm -hmm. that was organized chaos in a, in a way <laughs> they they were able to to hide their plans but attack aggressively with them and, I, and that was, was so impressive it was amazing to watch that game yeah it was definitely a, it was definitely one of the better games i've seen recently especially from like college level uh, the, I got to give a lot of credit to the, forward, uh, the, the women forwards. They were playing, again, we were saying a physical match. And I think, again, it went from like chaos to more organized chaos. And I think that a lot of it has to do with leadership. So like Kim Henning, Absolutely. which, you know, friend of the show. Yeah, she's she, been on. You know, she's been show. on. She, I, I could see it that she was hungry and she was well organizing her, uh, her forwards and uh, props to like, Hannah Duma, she had a fantastic game, lots of breaks. Yeah. Uh, the forwards were regaining possession almost every single time they were running the ball in. And it was, it was very, it was like very, like as a forward, it was very like, almost like pride, like pridening to like watch. Yeah, it's like, absolutely. It's like, heck yeah, these guys are doing it. Like they're, they're just demolishing them. I love seeing it. I think the most like impressive part of what the forwards did, and even when the backs got in there, was the support rucking. 
It was right. so quick. There were so few turnovers in that game um, for the Gamecocks to take taking it because the 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 pack was like always there with their with their support lines and and credit to to Marty uh, the women's coach for for making sure that they they were like retaining possession of the ball when they had it right. and putting phases together because because like I know I know it's as as a forward when you get to the 60th minute and you're exhausted and you still have to be there every time and and the women's team they were they were doing it the the ladies were supporting and, and clearing out really well. That's really just possible. I know when it gets to that point where it's just a really physical game, it really comes down to just who wants it more. Because when you, both forwards are, both forward packs are going to be exhausted around that 60, 70th minute, and it just comes out to who wants it more. And Absolutely. The Clemson women's team just showed that they really did want it more. I mean, they were there. They gave 110%. Uh, you could tell even when they were tired, they were still getting the support that they needed and clearing out and just giving everything they had. And the Tiger women also, you can tell that they're very well coached, again, by Marty, because they also are able to see a little bit better of the field. Because at times, USC did not have a 15 back. They right. didn't have and anybody back. And you could see that, you know, the back line was like, oh, God, like, we got we to yeah, kick it. We got to kick, kick it. There. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so they showed a lot of intelligence, uh, or at least on-field intelligence and adaptiveness to one be of, able to put that uh, ball into space. One of the most, like, like, exciting moments, and I felt turned the game almost, was uh, when there was a penalty on about the 10-meter, the ten, ten uh, and... Their 10-meter? The, on the Clemson 10-meter. Okay. Um, and uh, it was a penalty against USC, and they had all turned their back and started walking back, and and everybody on the sideline was screaming, "Tap it, go! Tap it, go!" And and they ended up ta tapping it. Three of them down the side of the field, like in that little like five meter channel, and a little spilled a little bit over, just took it all the way to the house and scored the try. And uh, and that to me was like a turning point in the game. And I I felt the fire hit the field. For the for the women's side and and credit to um, the 15 I can't I don't remember her name unfortunately but she she was crushing it she was she's fast she was aggressive athletic, athletic and she she was willing to to take any ball in into contact or or, or ch hunt any ball down that she needed to and it was she was an impressive player and I think that would have been my player of the game yeah. They, the women do play with a tenacity that a lot of teams don't play with. Absolutely. And that's like something to look, like as a, like a men's team, we need to look up to that. Absolutely. That was a great thing to go, like for the majority of the men's team to go to that match and see that because we need to learn from them a little bit. So. Which it was actually quite exciting to see the amount of uh, players from the men's side who, that showed up to support at that game. Hey, we all just love rugby, and nobody really likes USC. So, <laughs> I mean, it's always fun to watch any Clemson side. Absolutely, beat USC like that. It's a big rivalry game, and like CJ said, we all love rugby, and I mean, we want to show the women's support and anything just to grow the sport. And absolutely, came out with the dub, and can't complain with that. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right, collegiate rugby. Yeah, moving on from the collegiate rugby, let's uh, get into the World Cup action. What an exciting weekend! 
but before the, we get to this weekend, so we've had two weeks off. I don't know if you've uh, noticed. Um, and so we missed the ending of the pool phases and, and the rounding up of who was going into the quarterfinals. Yep. So a little bit of a review on that. Um, CJ, how about Japan? Okay. Don't you so <laughs> I, they did exactly what I said they would. They, they did better. They stole the hearts of everybody. <laughs> I'm yeah. telling you, they stole everybody's hearts. And if you are sad here <laughs> saying you do not like Japan anymore, then shame you on you. Then you don't really know the true spirit of rugby. I like Japan, can, but what about my bracket? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your bracket. Oh yeah, because you, you, you guessed uh, Ireland, Scotland, so, correct? So we can go back to our predictions. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, go back so to for that group A, I guessed that Ireland was going to win out, and then Scotland was going to be second. I know CJ did not agree with that. I said, I so you had the teams correct, CJ, but yeah, you did not have, have the order. So um, I would like to say that you, you had faith in Japan, but not enough. Yeah. yeah Same, right? on you, <laughs> Same on you. Right? Yeah, but See, I, everybody kind of knew that I, Japan I, was going to pull an upset. It was, everybody was thinking, oh, it's going to be Scotland. It'll right. be Scotland. Oh, it'll be Scotland. And then, and then all of a sudden, it's the next, you know, the next day where you see like Ireland uh, beat Japan. You're like, oh, what happened? I want to say, Scotland for me was my disappointment. Disappointment. I agree. I guess that, and I ha I want to have faith in Scotland, and then I said, you know, they're probably going to be the most disappointing team to me, and uh, that kind of turned out that fell through. That fell through. The, it. I, <laughs> I will say the 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 Japan Scotland game, the decider for for who was going through. That was that was a it was a great match. It was a yeah it phenomenal was. match to watch. I think I mean I, Japan. They earned their wins. They really did. They played phenomenally. They throughout the whole group stage and yeah. By the end of the group stage, they were ranked six in in the world. Wow. Um, I believe, uh, and they deserved it because the the way they beat Ireland, the way they beat Scotland, like it was it was sturdy victories. Like they were they were not anything to to. Like, they weren't flukes. Right, right. They were they were good games, well played. And, and I think that transferred in to the first half of, of this quarterfinal match. Um, but we'll get more into that in a little bit. So, that, yeah, so reviewing that, that was, those were our predictions for Pool A. So, what about Pool B? So Pool B, I guessed New Zealand and South Africa in that I order. And I was the only one that had flipped them because I had wanted to have faith in South Africa because of how they had performed in uh, the uh, Championship, yeah. uh, and you know they they went into that game and they played well for a half, but then like I just it, You're talking about the it, New Zealand South Africa yeah game. the New New Zealand South Africa game the opener for that pool right and and South Africa went into that game and they played a good first half like it was a very very competitive game for a, for a good good amount of time mm -hmm. in my eyes and and they just. They couldn't hold it, and I question how they will do as the quarterfinals and uh, as the quarterfinals goes into the semis and goes into the finals if they make right. it um, because of that game in particular. For me, I feel like I guess that they would lose to New Zealand. I knew that. For me, it just felt like New Zealand. Like, yeah, they slumped a little bit in the rugby championship, but. 
like we said, that historically has happened. They like to play new players. They don't like to give away their, uh, their game, game plan. Player. They don't want to do that right before World Cup. And so really that's the time to develop the guys with not a lot of caps and to really figure out what their starting roster is going to be. And so we saw that New Zealand turned out to be a better team then. But I feel like that game is going to just kind of be – I mean, it's ringing in South Africa's years. I mean, they had a we – we'll get into this a little bit later, but they had a pretty close match with Japan, but they were able to pull out and kind of get through that with tenacity. And I feel like that's going to carry through. That's my prediction. But we won't get into that too much, but that's coming up. So uh, Group C? USA? What was your prediction with the USA? <laughs> okay. I, uh, again, it was full faith. I wanted to see uh, the team excel, and they fell very short of my expectations. I, I at least thought we would be able to beat Tonga because of how we performed uh, in the Pacific uh, Cup. But um, I will also say we didn't take all of the guys that we played in the Pacific Cup. That is also we, true. It was a younger side. And I think that younger side was better than the side we brought. Um, or uh, not, not necessarily like I'm 100% like that side was better. But I think you could argue that the younger group that was played in the Pacific Cup was, could have performed better at the uh, international stage. I, I don't know. The USA for me is, is so... I, I don't know how to say it. like up in arms. I'm not up in arms, but they're just all over the place. Mm -hmm. I don't know what their game plan is, what their identity is. And I think they 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 lack in a lot of areas in one week, and then the next week they do well in them, but then they still lack in other areas. Right. It's and just kind of weird. I think with with that um, that'll change as the MLR develops and yeah. as we get a professional scene in the United States. Shut up, Mom. Um, yeah. Uh, that's Ma'ananu going, that's crazy, but that's a different conversation. That's a different conversation. Um, but I, I think um, in, in maybe in, in, was it Paris or France 2023, um, maybe we will show up and perform better than we did this year because we will have a pro professional scene here in the United States of America and it'll accelerate the growth of international rugby for the United States of America. So what were the predictions? So I know I had England on top and then France. That's what I had as well. Um, I had England, Argentina. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, about that. <laughs> that. But, hey, the one game that Argentina really needed to win in order to be that second team was, the, it was that France game. It had to be France. And mm -hmm. that game was really, really good. Yeah. They, unfortunately, they had lost on an 80-minute you know, kick. Yeah, but I, I think that the, game the red card really. Yeah, yeah the, the red, red card, the early red card, um, d destroyed their yeah. opportunities for that game to be a no matter a sturdy victory. What you want to say about France coming in? No matter for any professional side playing, fourteen on fifteen for the majority of the game is just it's hard to overcome. It's hard and to they overcome. couldn't do it, and and, and it's understandable. Um, I think if they didn't get that red card early, um, you could have been right. Could have been, Could have um, been. Uh, especially how that how that game went. Like Argentina, you could tell they had the heart and they wanted it, um, and you you could tell they were also suffering from being down a man. Yeah, and like I've been saying, I always or my mentality for the Argentine side 
was Haguara has been doing well. Argentina would be doing well because again, like seventy-one percent of their team is Haguara. Something to that. It was it was over seventy percent. So I'm thinking in my mind, maybe that like their successes and confidence will be able to you know translate over. And I guess not really. It helped, and their play styles are very similar. They're very forward oriented, but I don't think it. I guess there that translation from you know pro league super rugby to you know international is not really a. It's it's not the best. You can't comparison. really you can't really like translate that. It's at not one to one, right? Right. So um, yeah, I, I but I feel like across the board nobody's surprised that it was England France. I think three of us on that prediction were England France. Yeah, I'm I'm not surprised either. But right. So then that was a tough group. So. Yeah. Then Group D, I think I know. I had Wales Australia. So I as well. Another yeah, everybody Australia. had all as well. Big check for me. Yeah. Yeah, everything's right. <laughs> gloating a little bit. Uh, you you were what three of the four? Three of the four I had perfect, spot on. And then Group A, Japan. Japan disrupted. They came out your, of for me. Your I mean, pool. They, they probably disrupted everybody's pool. Yeah, and and I'm happy to hear it. Honestly. I mean, shoot, they disrupted mine a little bit, but that was just because you flipped. I them. flipped them. Yeah, but so, regardless of that. So that's the big game in that pool, obviously, would be Wales versus Australia. I think that that was the decider of who would go at the top of that. Who would be at the top? And it was a close game. It was 29-25 to Wales. Speaking of um, of deciders for pools, um, a little bit of controversial topic, um, but uh, going back because I don't, I, th- I feel like we should have touched on it and we didn't. The England France game being canceled. Yeah, that, that is typhoon. right. Um, I understand like the safety is really important, and and especially for the fans internationally that are all coming into Japan, that w- it is not safe weather to travel in. We get a lot of hurricanes here in South right. Carolina, so like we understand what that's like. Um, I know friends and family have all been evacuated b- multiple times in the last few years because of horrible weather like this, but. How tough of a decision do you think that is to make? What to, to put cancel, England over to cancel the the game that would, if in theory, have been the decider for the pool? Yeah, that's that's really tough. Obviously, like it's a typhoon, and so you're worried about player safety. There's a schedule to keep on track with the World Cup. There's a lot of factors going into it. I mean, I and think it, when you cancel a match like that, there's always going to be the the what ifs. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely, absolutely. And like the logistical nightmare to like try to reschedule that game. Yeah. Is so is again, it's a nightmare. But I think there it's was a, it's a tough decision, but I've said pretty sure for them that, that was the last resort. No yeah. one wanted to see that game canceled. Oh, absolutely but not. Part of me also thinks that that kind of gives France a little bit of a fire. Because they'll probably be like, "Oh no, we ha- we should we, be we should have been one we of the pools, sort, of, sort of feeling." Yeah, I, I can I can get that, and and it also I mean certainly gives both teams an edge going into the quarterfinals because That's, they come off with an ex- with extra rest in comparison to right, other teams. Right. Um, but it I just, it's so it's so baffling to think that the World Cup was like, okay, we're ho- we're hosting on an island nation that's prone to having. Uh, like weather issues during this time frame, like, and they didn't 
come up with a backup plan. I, I, heard, I heard rumors that they were thinking about playing that game w with an empty stadium. Um, I don't know how true that was, but that had been in my ear at one point in time. I, I would not have wanted to see that. Um, I mean, fans are... The fans are part of the experience. The environment is, is so key to, to a match. And so I just, I don't know. I, I thought, like, thought I'd mention that and, and hear what y'all had to say on that. Yeah, well. I, I personally feel like England would have won. won. Yeah, exactly. I think England would have won That's anyway. Right. I mean, again, but, slight uh, bias. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> but again, you know, like I said, it's always going to be the what if. And I feel like, you know, hopefully... In the future, I mean, it doesn't become a big thing for France. Hopefully they don't come out of this World Cup just like, damn, what if, and that just like sticks with them. Yeah, because that would have, that could, could have changed their quarterfinal matchup. Right. And, and I think that would have made a difference on the outcome of their quarterfinal match. Yeah, I think. Um, uh, the opponent, the two opponents they would have been playing are very different in style. Which I guess we're through. Which is a good we're, segue into the right. quarterfinal. So let's talk about the quarterfinals. Um, specifically, uh, well, actually, we'll start from the beginning. Yeah, let's so start the from the very beginning. First, might as well. Very first quarterfinal, England versus Australia. Oh, gosh, yeah. Uh, Ouch. A wonderful game by the English side. England just seems to be firing on all cylinders right now. Their ability to abuse... Uh, mistakes in play it was uh, in, uh, impeccable. So I've got some stats pulled up, and it <laughs> directly goes with what you're saying. This the capitalization on mistakes. Okay, so territory for the whole game, sixty-two percent to Australia. Yeah. Possession, sixty-four percent to Australia. Meters carried, Australia had five hundred seventy-eight to England's 275. Wow. If you think, just think of it. Australia had the ball for the majority of the game. They had you know, the 153 runs to 71 runs. And that just, I feel like that just kind of adds to England's defense. They played an amazing game. They held off, obviously, their attack. I mean, they had 300 more meters carried in. You know, only 16 points to show for that. Um, they have, I mean, it's just England's defense looked crazy. They capitalized on the mistakes. They had two intercept tries. Um, I will say the last one, it was a... Anthony Watson's. Anthony Watson's. That should have just That ball should happened. never have gone. That uh, ball should yeah, not have a, left. That was a the, the, uh, the, the ball should never have been a skip pass let alone a pass in general. I know Ethan and I were talking about this earlier, and it's, you know, England was putting so much pressure on them, but even with that pressure, they were in their own 22, and they're back of their own half. Consistently. I mean, you run the ball in that case, and Curly Beal decided, let's get past it to the winger. Right. And that's and just... A bad decision. That's a bad decision. That's and it's one, one mistake that... that was costly. And at that point in the game, like, people could tell England was pulling away, and that kind of sealed the box for me. But, but it, the, the problem was for Australia is that that mistake was not the first or the last time that Australia was making mistakes in that game. Mm -hmm. Or, like, 
like er, and so like Johnny May, like like his try or one of his tries came from off of some really poor Australian actions. Like like um and then and then uh his other try was just pure brilliance. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that that his his performance uh, I remember saying that he would be my man of the tournament. Really? And um, I, mean, I, I don't well know if I said, actually, I, I can't say man of the tournament. I think I said man of the pool stage. But if I had to pick a man for the tournament, that was who my eyes were on. And, well, they're back. I mean, England's wings are fantastic. They're, they're back three. In back my three, opinion. yeah, are fantastic. Just across the board. I mean, Johnny May Johnny and May. Anthony Watson had some fantastic games. To, uh, in this one, like Johnny May had like three clean breaks. Uh, yeah, obviously is two tries. Uh, uh, and I think Anthony Watson got like 61 carries, something like that. Those two Johnny May tries were within three minutes of each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and they were they were relatively Fire. early on. They were like right at the end of the first quarter of the game, so it was like around the 20th minute mark that both those tries occurred. And and oh gosh, that I feel like that invigorated the English side quite on, on the offensive side of the ball to, to fight way harder than anybody would have expected. England had 193 tackles on the game, which wow. is over twice as many as Australia had with a 90% success. Wow. That's, a, that's, that's, that's good tough. defense. Yeah. yeah, that's great defense. And a lot of those tackles, like, like, yes, Australia was in the English half for a lot of the game, but they weren't moving forward. They couldn't finish. I mean, no. England's defense was a like, great defensive game. And yeah. England was able to capitalize. Owen Farrell had, was 100% on kicks. Yeah, today. yeah. Speaking of Owen Farrell, what is your guys' opinions on the sudden, the sudden change from going from pool phase to uh, the quarterfinals and into the elimination rounds of moving the Ford Farrell combo at ten twelve to benching Ford and putting Farrell at ten and and working with this with this setup. I hope they're just resting Ford because he's so good. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, again, I'm gonna say back to the USA game where he started at ten. He was so good for that. I really would like to see that like distributive. Like duo, because both of them are very good at distributing the ball and passing it around and everything like that. So, See, I like that. I like that idea, but at the same time, having Owen Farrell at ten is a very is like getting your you're giving your best player the ball a ton of times. Right. So I, I, I see why they want to do that. To me, Owen Farrell at ten is much more aggressive. Um, in in a in a, an attacking sense of of like ball to hand, Ford to me is much more of a kicking ten. Yeah. That's and that's they they they've definitively sure. set up those styles to where I, I it's the it's what they used in the past before the World Cup. It was all it was doing the Farrell starting Ford coming in pushing Farrell out. And, and it worked very well for them. And I think they're going back to it because it's more tried and true mm -hmm. to what they want to do coming in through these elimination rounds. And I think once you think, one, if you think about it, off of what you said, having Owen Farrell as an aggressive 
as that aggressive playmaker. That might have been a little bit of Eddie Jones scouting on Australia because you look at the Wales game versus Australia. Remember how Wales started that match? They were very aggressive. They were like pounding it down their throats type deal. Yeah. So I guess Eddie Jones might have been like, hey, maybe the way to beat Australia is to be really, really aggressive and play a very good defensive game. Yeah. And so that's exactly what they did. And because you get, remember that's, seeing that Wales game that uh, Australia had majority of the territory yeah. as well as mm -hmm. possession, but Wales played a really good defensive game. And again, they were very good with their kicks, scoring early, and uh, yeah, just being aggressive. I, I, can, I can see that. That's, yeah. I think too, it's just you have two great tens. I mean, they're both, they can play 10 at an international level and do well. And I feel like for uh, just any team that proves to be an issue, because they both have, it's two different play styles that you now have to prepare for at mm -hmm. that 10 role. Okay. And yeah. I mean, I, obviously, the, I feel like the score shows it that Owen Farrell was a good selection at 10 for this match. Agreed. Um, I think, so one that sticks out to me is they had this great attack. It was Johnny, one of Johnny May's tries. They were able to commit pretty much the entire Australian back line onto like three players and just left Johnny May wide open. And Farrell, I think it was Farrell was able to just pass over the top. I can't remember if yes. I passed one first, but. I believe so. And so it's just kind of that. And um, I feel like you have to leave Farrell on as well for the kicking. Yeah, um, he, he had was 100 percent this game. He was 100 percent for the game, which it's it's been a while since he put put that 100 percent up on the board, um, and this was the game to do it. He's been kicking well the whole tournament. The I whole know. tournament, yeah. Yeah, what was it? Was it that one game where? Which game was it? I, I was it Tonga, when when they when a con consistently scoring scoring on the edges and he was yeah, just missing was. the. They were all just like off to the side because, I mean, he was kicking from the corners the whole time. That's a tough, always tough. Besides that, for his penalties, he's 89% on penalties, and his convergence is a little bit lower at 71%, but that's still... It's still good. Still it's, good. That's where uh, him and George Ford are equal there at 71% for the conversions. Obviously, Farrell is doing a lot better um, with the penalties. George Ford's kicked two and missed both. Zero percent. It's quite unfortunate. Farrell has kicked sixteen, and oh, he's at eight right now. But yeah. So, so. next match, to, New yeah. Zealand Ireland. So New Zealand won forty-six to fourteen over Ireland. It was Rory Best's final match as an Irish player. Can we just say, give him a little tribute and uh, say thank you, <laughs> thanks to Rory Best. What do you guys? So what do you think? I'll say, what do you think like, made Rory Best like, such a good captain for them, or just a good player for them? He's relatively consistent. Yeah, he's a consistent <laughs> hooker. Yeah, his consistency on the field and, and his attitude on the field is never, never to be taken lightly. No, um, and his leadership also on the field and his like, maturity, especially with whenever he, like, young guys come in, he's definitely the guy to that or he's definitely the guy that everybody looks up to be because his professionalism his leadership his consistency I his, mean, he's his a interviews for frick's sake his he's interviews are always enjoyable even right. they did an interview with him after this game and and he was obviously very emotional um, yeah. 
And I love him as a player. It was such a heartfelt, like, great interview. It takes a special kind of player to get over 100 caps. He got, I think it was 122 caps. Something like that. Finally, yeah. And at the hooker position, that, that's a tough, tough position. Just yeah. in the front row, front row. Especially to play it for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Playing a long time like that. And I think that just, I mean, that speaks for who he is as a player. He's tough, tough consistent, and I mean, it's what you want. So. Yeah, uh, obviously, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> by, by his cap count. Yeah. So anyway, this game, very, it was very one-sided. New Zealand yeah. came out blasting. Ireland was completely shut out in the first half, right? It was, it was, they had zero points at the end of the first half, which yeah. uh, obviously shows you the intensity in which New Zealand wanted to play this game at. And if, if Tom were here, I would tell him I told you so, because I... I we, we were talking about this last week, and I kept telling him, I was like, New Zealand's going to destroy Ireland. Like, I, I told him, like, I, New Zealand went so long without ever losing a game to Ireland, and then, then Ireland breaks their, one of the longest win streaks, like, New Zealand had had in history, and, and they will not let that go. Like, even in interviews afterwards, they're like, yeah, Ireland's been the thorn in our side the last few years. And right. New Zealand wanted to shut that down. And, and it, it came. It, it came and it went. That <laughs> so here are a couple uh, some stats for you, Ethan. All right. So meters carried. New Zealand had 488 <laughs> meters carried to Ireland's 239. Ireland had 32 missed tackles. And oh, even though, even though like the possession was even overall of the game, 50-50. 50-50, the whole game. Yeah. But you can kind of see the offensive stats for New Zealand were like blazing. They had 143 carries, 32 defenders it, beaten. Relatively, clean, they beat 18 them. 18 clean breaks. 18 clean breaks. Yeah, I mean, relatively, they beat, they beat Ireland in every category except for what? Malls? malls yeah, ones. malls won. Yeah. Uh, yeah, other than that, like... Like, offensively, New Zealand was just much better. And, and defensively, Ireland struggled. Like, the, the fact, how, what, what did you say, 37? 32. 32 missed tackles? Yeah. That is, that is, like, destructive to a game. That is a lot of tackles to be missing. And on top of that, the kicking as well was just superior for New Zealand. They both had 33 total kicks. Mm -hmm. Exactly even, and New Zealand was able to gain a hundred, sorry, eight hundred thirty-seven meters compared to Ireland's five hundred thirty-seven meters. Jeez. And then they were able to regather oh. nineteen of those thirty-three kicks. Oh, oh, oh wow! Wow! It's just you know credit credit to uh, New Zealand's, I guess like five primary kickers really. You look at their back three; they're all they're all great kickers, and then you look at the yeah, They're nine and, nine and ten. Oh. Mickey and Smith. Richie Monga had a beautiful cross kick pass. And, oh, love it. I mean, what do you think mm -hmm. of Richie Monga playing at ten versus Bodie? I mean, just I like looking at this, it looked, to me, Bowden Barrett is really a great rugby player. I think Richie is kind of showing that he's a little bit better just at the ten position. But you want Bowden out on the field because overall he's just your best player. He's a good, solid.
best rugby player. Right. And so I think having Richie at 10 and having Bowden at 15 is a great combo because it allows Bowden to really insert where he can. I mean, they had a great, I think it was, um, they, it was a turnover from Ireland, and Richie was able to get just a little chip and so got the ball kind of grubbered out, and Bowden Bear just has an amazing pace and awareness and was able to immediately get on that, kick it even further down the field, and no one's going to catch him, and they're able to turn that into a try just like that. Yeah. So, so speaking of tries, um, somebody who doesn't, I wouldn't say normally a, a scorer for the New Zealand side, uh, put up two tries, Aaron Smith. Two tries, yep, and that's his two tries for this tournament so far. Yeah, that's the only two. And uh, it came off of, I think, it's kind of what we saw, just New Zealand is amazing at capitalizing on anyone's mistakes. They're one of, probably the best team at immediately seeing a space and just attacking, attacking it. it. Like, yeah. it's just what they do. Uh, Aaron Smith, first try, he caught uh, Ireland sleeping in that uh, A-gap. <laughs> so the A-gap oh, is, is it's what we call it's the gap right next to the ruck. Um, that's generally the position you want to set first because Aaron Smith saw that no one was there and he was able to, I mean, you're five meters from your goal line. Yeah. If, if <laughs> you're able to squirm through that. You're able, that he gap. was just able to just run that in and no one was, he's just too fast. You have to have someone there. And right. I mean, they were just working Ireland side to side eventually. I mean, to me, when I was watching it, I was like, I feel like Aaron Smith is going to try to run it in because Ireland just looks slow getting from side to side, and that's what happened. Uh, the next try came kind of soon after that. I can't quite remember the time, but it was just another case. Ireland, it was, this one was in a corner. Uh, the only defender on the weak side uh, thought the ball was out, and uh, he got off sides, and Aaron Smith immediately saw that and just Ran into it. the corner, and yeah. that's just another. It's like a, it's just a free try, and when you're at this level, you're in the quarterfinals. You can't give away tries like that. Right, especially especially off of like mistakes around the rock. Exactly. I mean, that's it's it's that the breakdown is so important in every single phase at this level of play, and and the fact that that Aaron Smith single-handedly capitalized into tries twice off of it just shows you that Ireland was not at the level that New Zealand was this weekend. And and it really this like like they they did not perform in this tournament the way that people wanted to them to or expected them to. Yeah. Losing losing in the in the pool pool phase to Japan and then losing uh, well I guess quarterfinals exit is was that's, not unexpected. That's yeah. classic Ireland, I think. Uh, yeah. People classic didn't, obviously, um, I mean, Irish fans didn't want to see it. Uh, it. It's the joke, and I feel like, I don't know, for me this year, I thought it was, I thought Ireland was going to be able to make it to the finals. I really did. And then, after they lost to Japan, I just, to me, I was like, that's, that's it. Yeah, that's that's, it. Probably I don't that's it proof. Yeah. So, uh, moving on to day two. Um, a close match with Wales and France. Wales being down at half by nine, and then taking taking the win in in the last few minutes by one. 
See, France started this game out so well. We scored within five and then eight minutes. Yeah. Right? So and two quick scores. They go up 12-0 within 10 minutes. And then I think they around that time they had a uh, substitution to get Ross Moriarty on the field yeah. and uh, due to head injury. And then, like, not but look, 10 seconds later. Maybe not 10 seconds later, but a few minutes later he gets a yellow card. Uh, it, so, it was a minute later. It, it, was, a, it was literally a minute literally later. A minute. Yeah, they so, said that the 28, and he got a yellow card at the 29. Oh, man. So, oh, man. And then France was too. immediately able to capitalize that. It took them two minutes after that yellow card to get a try. Uh, that was their center. It was a 13. I'm going <laughs> to... don't even want to <laughs> attempt his name. <laughs> not, not worth Ver, an attempt. Vrimi. Vrimi Barcatala. Yeah. yeah. And um, that's just... When you're a man down, I mean, that speaks to, I mean, you got to capitalize on that. France was able to do that against Argentina. Argentina was a man down, and that's really how they were beat, able to beat them. And Wales goes a man down for 10 minutes, and immediately they're able to score a try off of that. So I think the, the first half, France really did look solid. Phenomenal. They were able to get up to, was it 19-10? Yep, 19-10 mm -hmm. at the half. So... And then the second half was just all Wales. All Wales. Yeah. Wales, in the last 10 minutes of the match, had 92% territory. Oh, see, that's, that's oppressive. That's what that is. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, I, it, almost speechless. But, but well, once again, I did, I've, I've said this throughout the whole tournament, through every week we've talked about France, is like their substitutions, I don't think ever work successfully. Oh, Whenever they roll yeah, in new players, I don't think they make as strong of, it, of an impact as the subs for every other team that, that they play against. I, I always feel like it's underwhelming when you get into that depth of the roster. And, and again, like they didn't put up a single point in the second half. And your, your substitutes have to come in in that second half, and they have to put in the work, and they have to dominate the field because they are going to be the most energetic people on the field. Right. I think, so I agree with, you know, the subs were a problem and they just didn't have the impact they should have. France also did get a red card in the 49th minute. Yeah, that, that does impact, once again, as we were saying with Argentina early, like. Kind of what happened is just the flip. 14 on 15. Yeah. And, I mean, Wales, they were able to capitalize it. All they, they were only able to get uh, the 10 points in that second half. So they were able to get a penalty and a, and a try with a conversion. So, I mean, I feel like that speaks to France as well, that they're able to still defend um, 14 on 15. But in the end, that's... Yeah. It's detrimental. Yeah, it's detrimental. And it's hard, dude. That's a mistake. Um, uh, if I would have to pick a player, though, um, that I think... Com composes himself well and and stood stood the test of this match is Dan Bigger, and and that's an easy choice obviously. Yeah, that is an easy um, choice. But there's a reason why like his name always is, pops up on the stat sheet. Right, is because he he is the player that you can look to to make the kicks that he needs to make. And I mean, single-handedly, he's he's worth ten points of that game mm -hmm. between yeah. his conversions and his penalties. Like. Yeah. It's, it's, he's worth half of the, he's, the scoring. Right, and, and 
kickers are just so valuable. Like that's why Owen Farrell like always comes to mind with England is because he puts up the points and the penalties and the conversions. And that's what Dan Bigger did uh, this morning. Uh, we are recording this on Sunday, so yeah, <laughs> this morning. True. I feel like too, just like going to this tournament, I mean, Dan Bigger was a question mark for Wales. He wasn't their starter really consistently in the past Six Nations. They were trying out right. another 9-10 combination. And here he is, I mean, he's, he's a veteran now. He, yeah. He's been here and I mean, it showed with he was able to he got the points he needed to put Wales ahead and mm-hmm. I think that's that's what matters absolutely so close game for uh for Wales I will say I don't know how uh Francis kicker feels right now he missed <laughs> the the first conversion and that's two points right there that that could have would have put France up 21 to 19 or 20 to 20, 20. so if you uh, watched some uh post-match interviews though Warren Gatlin, this is an interesting interview. Warren Gatlin had an interview, uh, and he said that the, that the better team lost that match. Would you agree with this? That do you think that France were the better team in this game? Um, I think a I think game... In the first half, yes. Uh, yeah, I, I think a game is, is 80 minutes, and you have to respect the calls of a sir and you have to respect the impacts that everybody has on a game and when when you have a player that gets a red carded in the 49th minute and and that's detrimental to your team that I think that's also definitive to a team and and I think no I don't think the better team uh, lost that match because they that you evidently they were the team that got a red card they were the team that couldn't hold the lead. They like it's if if it would have been a different story if there wasn't a red card and they had played that game cleaner. But that's that's discipline. But that's that's, discipline. that's on everybody. And that's and discipline discipline is what makes great teams great. That's, that's not one, what that's, makes good teams good. That's the ones that, that separate the great teams from the elite teams. Right, and 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 so I don't think the better team won specifically because the discipline that France had is why they lost. Fair enough. So, final match of the quarterfinals. (sighs) Japan, South Africa. Now, (laughs) I really wanted Japan to win, but I know South Africa, they've been playing like their hair has been on fire this entire tournament. The first half of this match was a great match. Five to three. It was, that was one mistake on Japan's defender. It was their in 10. Early. It was, it was, it was really early. early. It was off yeah. the scrum. Uh, Fatah Clark had a great quick pass under pressure uh, to South Africa's 11, and he was able to, unfortunately, Japan's 10 just didn't have a really good angle, was kind of only able to get his arms into the tackle. and It was and, wonderfully set up. And, it was. And, it, it was well executed, but Japan, like for the rest of that half, were were like not willing to accept that as their defeat, and and they played their style the whole first half. Japan was so aggressive; their offloads were there. They had eleven offloads, I believe, by halftime. Jeez, um, it was it was ridiculous numbers, and and they were so aggressive. The passes were being made; they were attacking the edges of the field, and they looked great. The problems happened when they got 10 meters from the try line 
or 15 meters from the try line, and they got they 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 started to make those mistakes. They started to get the try line fever, and they couldn't close. <laughs> and and so. Going into the second half, though, I was sitting there and I was watching this game and I was like, if Japan continues to play how they love to play rugby and how they successfully play rugby, they've got a chance to beat South Africa. And then they didn't. They played South Africa's game. In my eyes, they tried hmm. box kicking. Really? They tried pod play against a side that is bigger than them, that Ooh, plays yeah. that style of rugby, that always wants, like, is good with the, with the close bashes off, the, off of the breakdown. And, and Japan stopped playing the hands, almost sevens-esque when it comes to offloading and, and attacking the edges and, and going for the space. And they tried to play the kicking game and the, and the potting game that, that is not the Japanese style. And to me, that's why they, they gave up the, those extra 21 points in the second, in the second half. And, I mean, you can tell just from the stats, kind of like the game plans going in. Like you said, Japan, they're always, I mean, the first half they wanted to play passe because that's what works for them. Right. I mean, they had the whole game 204 passes to South Africa's 104. South Africa knew going in that if they were able to get Japan to play their game, which is forward heavy, I mean, South Africa has a huge pack, and everyone knows that. And, I mean, it shows they were to get Japan to kind of get into their play style, and South Africa is going to win that. Right. Especially, Especially against that smaller team that Japan yeah. has. And, and Japan, like, it caused Japan to have errors in their side of the field that are perfect for penalty kicks. And, and the same thing happened to Japan uh, that happened to Ireland when Ireland played Japan, where South Africa just started putting up penalties convert or kicks mm -hmm. with Pollard just putting them through the post. Obviously he missed one, but but um, those penalties, those kicks, I mean that's nine points you just gave up. Yeah. For penalties for playing the form of rugby that's not true to you. Yeah, and like like you said, the kicking for Japan in the previous matches definitely helped them. Like again with the Ireland game. And I was kinda I was kind of, I don't, I don't want to say mad but, or disappointed that they didn't put Kinky Fukuoka a little bit more, give the ball a little bit more to him out wide, because he's a stellar player. Because, again, he's scored, like, 23 tries within, you know, 30, like, six appearances. Something insane like that. I would give the ball to him a lot because he's literally lightning in a bottle. But uh, I just, like you said, you can't, you can't play the South Africa style because they aren't enormous. Everybody on that team is big. Everybody on that team is athletic. Everybody knows how to play. And they're kicking games really well. Andre Pollard uh, is probably one of the best tens in the world. And it's just a tough game to play that style. Or, yeah. so. And, and other, other than their, their attempt uh, of playing the South African style, what I feel like ruined Japan was their set pieces. So Japan Oh yeah, because they had Japan lost Japan lost um, uh, too many of their lineouts. They were 8 and 13 on lineouts that they won. And that's just like those those what five lineouts were so important in that game because that's what those are what let South Africa crawl through 
through those those pressured moments or 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 dominate those moments deep in the Japanese territory. And on top of that as well, South Africa had a 100% win, uh, ruck win rate, whereas uh, Japan gave up six. So yeah. uh, against a larger side like that, it's tough to be that physical. So I think one player I want to talk about is uh, South Africa's 11. Right? Mentioned him earlier. He had the opening try. Yep. He had two tries and 111 meters. He's a he's a good player. Was he also the one with the yellow card? No, no that was the prop. No, was, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, that was. He had he did he was close though. That was the contest in the air, in which they reviewed a contest in the air with him. You mean uh, Beast? The Beast was the one who got it. <laughs> yeah. Tendai Matwaria. I'm I'm thinking of the contest in the air on the edge of the field, and and he he came in and he was just like running up on onto the to the kick chase and. That there was there there was some talk with the sir on that one, but, but no, um, yeah, he he's been a f extremely aggressive. He's been a force for South Africa this whole tournament. He's at uh, he's at five tries now in the just beat this rugby World Cup in four matches. He's he showed against Japan. I mean, he had that his opening try was just I mean, he beat two defenders to get that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he broke through an arm tackle. I mean, you can't do that against him. He's just going to break through it and then was able to get past uh, another defender trying to come in and cover. And, I mean, he's... He's a good player. And, like, on the other side of the wing, Cheslin Colby, I was kind of disappointed he didn't get a lot of uh, action. Because usually, I mean, Mapepe had 111 carries versus Cheslin Colby. meters. Uh, <laughs> meters. I mean, meters. Versus Cheslin Colby had 17. Well, like one one thing though that like he's usually the guy who leads that stat for South Africa. The the one thing though is like they you can look at their runs you so you can see like how many times they carried the ball forward and um, Makazole carried the ball seven times with the meters that he had and and Cheslin Colby he touched the ball six times or he he made six runs. And, and didn't put up the meters. Right. And and so I think that's a credit a credit to to, to their attack uh, with Mapipi. Uh, um, I'm sorry if I'm butchering his name. Um, but like, that's a credit to finding the space, being in the right position, and making the aggressive moves that he needed to be making. So so like, yes, it's he, it normally. Kobe rules. Kobe rules that stat. Mm -hmm. Like this was his game to shine. Do you think also Japan looked back at previous games, saw Cheslin Kobe as such a threat, and then had his number called for defense? Not necessarily. I think. I yes, they. I mean, obviously, he's a name and a face that they want to defend and they want yeah. to hold. They want to contain. But I don't think the program's naive enough to be like like just because we have to cover him doesn't mean we have we can't we don't need to cover the other wing you know yeah because south africa i mean they're fourth in the world right now they can use both Every their wings they can yeah. use everybody on the field everybody and, on that field is good mm -hmm. So, any final thoughts on, on this uh, quarterfinal matches before we get into some predictions for semifinals? Uh, well, I just want to say, even though some of my teams were wrong, uh, mixed up Japan, Scotland, uh, 
But all the teams I expected to make the semifinals made it to the semifinals. I, I guess South Africa, New Zealand, uh, England, and Wales. So just going to toot my own horn there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, this is about what I expected yeah, for, for the four, the four going through. Um, are, they're all ranked the top four right now, correct? Yeah, and you currently like, have the top two sides from the Northern Hemisphere yeah. and the top two sides from the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah, you have uh, New Zealand at one, England at two, Wales at three, and South Africa at four. Yeah, great matchups. So, so it almost is the, the expectation. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Wales coming off of was it their Grand Slam. Yeah, Grand Slam. And so taking expected, if they didn't make it this far, that would be extremely disappointing. Yeah, it's like semifinal or... I, for, I think for Wales, maybe it's even final or bust. Ooh, wow. That's a, that means that's a at tough least expectation. That's the, no, at least that's what they want. You know uh, absolutely. I mean? Well, everybody wants to win. Yeah, <laughs> but like... Speaking of winning... Yeah. Who do you have winning in the semifinals? In the semifinals. Okay. So, let's see. We have Ooh, South Africa. Right. So, let's go over the matches. So, it's South Africa versus Wales. And Correct. then New Zealand versus England. Right. So Flip them if you want to talk about day order. Day order. So, you should, Okay. Quarter, <laughs> semifinal one... <laughs> England, New Zealand. Who do you have? Okay. I have New Zealand. That's, that hurts. That's who I have. I, <laughs> I think it's going to be a great match, though. Um, from what I know, I talked about this with Ethan before the podcast because we like to talk about rugby. And uh, just from the games <laughs> we've seen, both teams showed that they were to capitalize on mistakes extremely quickly. Uh, England's wingers look so dangerous. And so I feel like it's really, I mean, I know you could say it's about it. It's going to come down to defense. It's whichever team makes a mistake, that other, the other team is just going to capitalize, capitalize on that. Score. So it's, it's going to be, in my opinion, a pretty defense-heavy uh, game. England looked amazing against Australia to contain that. Uh, Australia were able to have the ball, and just England didn't crack. You know, they may have bent, but they didn't, they didn't crack. They didn't break. And so that's credit to them. I still think... New Zealand's going to come out on top, though. All right, so uh, what about Wales, South Africa? Wales, South Africa. Wales looked All right. iffy. iffy against France. And, I mean, you could say the same about South Africa against Japan. Japan was able to hold it, especially in that first half, 5-3. to three, But Although I, I would say Japan is, like, looks great when they play their style. Yeah. They look like a, tier, like a, a top tier, a top eight team. I think just, I think South Africa is gonna. I just think they're gonna win it. That's yeah. Now, what about you, CJ? So England, New Zealand. I think that's good. That matchup, whoever wins that game is gonna win the World Cup. Wow, that's some, I think that's, some bold words. I think that's it because right now those two teams I think are the ones that are firing on all cylinders. They. I'm not saying that they look invincible, but they look pretty freaking close. So who do you have winning that match? New Zealand. <laughs> ah. well, I think so New you Zealand have New Zealand is, going all the way. I just for the third time in a row. Are we doing finals predictions to you? Okay. Well, I guess so. I mean, oh, if he he made his call. Yeah. He made his his decision but already. If if England is able to beat New Zealand, then I think they're winning it all. All right, so, so what then, about Wales-South Africa? Wales-South Africa. Now, this one I think is going to be a little bit tougher. I'm probably going to side with Tyler depending on how Wales play. 
If they want to play aggressive like they have been recently, that's going to be tough against a huge side like South Africa. You can't really play really, really aggressive ball or really, really aggressive play with a team like that. So that's where I think uh, South Africa is probably going to edge it out by. I think it's going to be a, a close score. I think it's going to be the score. This is my prediction: twenty-six to twenty-five. Wow. It's going to be, it's gonna you, be a you very are really, <laughs> You're throwing the darts right now, and we're going to see next weekend if you are hitting the bullseye or if you're off the board. Because I don't, I don't think you're in, right in between. <laughs> He's riding high in the gym. He is riding, riding high off hey, the Japan prediction. If I'm confident right now, I'm going to go for it. All right. So uh, last but not least, Mr. Bias over here. my Let's predictions, uh, England. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Mr. Bias. <laughs> So um, I believe I'm the only person that has a team of interest left in the tournament. So, I'm not, not going to sit here and say, you know, oh, you're just saying England. I mean, I think England no, has England a really good chance. England definitely has a legitimate and, and I think if England continues to use their 9, 10, 11, 14, and 15, the way that they've been using them, I think they can outkick New Zealand. I do want to say this, this is an uh, interesting stat. So this is the first time since 2007 yeah. that England has made it to, to a semifinal. I know. So. <laughs> it's been a while, but it's, it's been good and recently. This is, if we this remember is in that one, England did end up losing in the final to South Africa. Oh! <laughs> okay, well, well oh, since you bounced to it, since you bounced to it. couldn't be repeating it. Hey, since you bounced to it, South oh. Africa is who I have winning the other quarterfinals. Oh. I have an, an England-South Africa rematch. Um, but I, I, you know, again, there is some bias. I have England going all the way. Okay. Oh. So oh. I guess I'm the only one who hasn't said my Yeah, what's final your finals prediction? prediction? So in the bracket I made, I said... South Africa would be winning it against New Zealand. So all of us have different winners. But none of us think Wales is going to win it. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we can all be extremely wrong. Yeah, we, there's, there's a chance it, all of us are wrong. Yeah. Well, it, actually, if, if Wales wins their semifinal, we are all wrong yeah, on, a, on one of our finalists. So, but uh, uh, again, to me, England, it comes down to kicking to me. I think if England outkicks New Zealand, they've got that game. And I think they can. Um, obviously, we talked about Bowden Barrett, and we, we talked about um, Moanga, like Richie Moanga's, their, their kicking was on point this past weekend. But like, every week's a new week, and every week you have to prepare for the team in front of you. And yeah. I think England's done a great job of preparing for what's in front of them. And, again, and they'll Eddie, do it again. Eddie Jones' quote, we haven't even played our best. Oh. He said that. He so, did say that. So That's a tough uh, it's, it's, that is a big feat big to do feat. better than what they've big done, but I think they can do it. So, um, and, like, again, they're also not playing in New Zealand. That's true. So playing, playing in, in New Zealand, England versus New Zealand in New Zealand has always seemed to be a New Zealand, like, a New Zealand W. But since it's on a neutral site, who knows? Who knows? Don't you bring up the 2015 World Cup. <laughs> Don't you do it. Uh, I saw that face. It was a, it was a different team then. It's, it, was it was a very a different, different team. team. Different coaching. So, I I mean, I'm just, I'm excited. I think it's going to be good games. I hope it's good games all around. I, I'll i be up at 4 a.m. on Saturday. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I'll be up. 
I'll so, be awake. So um, we have a big TV in our apartment. Um, I will be in that living room, and I have invited Tom, who unfortunately couldn't join us today but wanted to. Um, Tyler will hopefully get out of his bedroom and sit on the couch with me and watch it. Uh, CJ, you are welcome to join us, and we will be talking about it next Sunday. So yeah. uh, we are happy that you stayed and listened, and we uh, enjoy hearing from you. Um, we want to hear your predictions for the rest of this World Cup. Uh, please put them in the comments, like, share, uh, do all of the possible social media things you can. So uh, once again, my name's Ethan Richards. And this is CJ Bakel. Watch some rugby this week, guys. Watch some rugby. That's all I got to say. And uh, thank you for listening. <laughs>